God is a good God. Could we remain standing, if you would, just for a, the reading of two scriptures? It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. How many would like to give the devil a black eye this morning? Now, if you'll work with me this morning, I'm going to undress him. And it's an ugly sight. He's nefarious. He's not your friend. He wants to bury you. He wants to kill you. And when I'm going to expose him this morning, you'll be surprised at the areas he's working on in your life. God's people are meant to be mighty people. Happy people. Filled with his spirit and undeceived. Can you give God praise this morning? This morning, just a simple scripture out of John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And I've told you many times, but I just like hearing myself say it. John is the gospel that is all about the deity of Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. He is your Master. Jesus is God. He has always been and will always be the glorious Son of our Father. He is mighty. There is none to compare. He rules and reigns over the entire universe. He is Lord of all. He is great in grace, mighty in mercy. He's the eternal God. There is none to compare to Him. Jesus said this, and it is exclusive, exclusive. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastor. I mean exclusive as to the fact that he is the only door. You've heard of Confucius. You've heard of Mohammed. You've heard of many other people that might have been fine people. But if you're interested in eternal life, there is only one door. There may be other good people that are very religious... But there's only one door. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who knows absolutely everything and taught Solomon everything he knew, he said this, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Notice the progression of the thief. It gets worse with every case. He cometh not but for to kill, excuse me, he cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and finally destroy. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, 
We want you, Lord God, to have your way. I pray, Father God, as your servant today for each and every one of us, open our ears to the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord God, to just be the conduit about what you want to say. Help me, Lord, to stay totally biblical. But help me, Lord God, today to be anointed by your Holy Spirit to speak the word and to speak to hearts today. Father, that we might change, that we might identify the destroyer, that we, Lord God, might welcome you in to blessing forever and ever we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand. The devil hates more than anything else to be undressed. He loves to be acknowledged. He loves to have preeminence in your life. He loves to be worshipped. In fact, that's what got him in trouble in the first place. That's why he fell from heaven. Because he wants to be the center of your attention. He comes to steal. You must understand from the very beginning, you cannot make a deal with the devil. You can give him an inch, but he's going to have his foot on your throat someday, somehow, once you give him that inch. There's a good spiritual thermometer for how you're doing. And only you can answer this. Don't raise your hand. Don't poke your neighbor. Are you really happy? Jesus, with his Sermon on the Mount, went through a whole litany of blesseds. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Went on and on and on. The word blessed means happy. Some of you put on a good face this morning, but deep down inside you're not really happy. One of the reasons you're not happy is you have given the enemy territory in your lives. And for a time I'm going to speak right to the Christians, those who have decided that Jesus is their Lord and Master. Some of you are struggling in relationships. One of the things that the enemy wants to do is give you a counterfeit. To give you something that's not quite the will of God. Ladies, if your man is your project, if the one you're dating is someone you know you can repair, you've got the wrong man. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. No matter how good your intentions are, you've got the wrong man. You cannot fix him. Only with the prodding of the Holy Spirit and the decision in his own mind and heart will he ever be fixed. But you can't build one brick on that foundation. Oh, the enemy's ugly when I open him up. He wants you to spend your life fixing somebody else. Years and years and years go by, and you still haven't fixed them. And it goes the same way for women or men. 
It doesn't matter. They can't be fixed by you. What you're missing out on is joy. What you're missing out on is God's perfect will. Ladies, some of you are missing out on the children you could have by the divine will of God and his eternal blessing. You won't find this sermon in any other church today, but I'm preaching to you the truth. It may settle you right down to self-examination and cause you to turn inside to see really what your motivation is. But truly, you're not happy. If you are the type of person that has just got to fix somebody, fix yourself. My wife can't fix me. I still leave clothes on the floor. I leave my backpack right on the dining room table. And when I'm about any kind of housework, it's really never quite up to par. But I'm a man. There's a difference. Ladies, if you wanted to marry somebody like you, I I can't go there. You married a man. Ladies, husbands, you married a woman. The thinking, the process is altogether different. Can somebody say thank God for the difference this morning? (laughs) Praise God. You'll be a lot happier in your relationships when you quit trying to fix somebody else other than yourself. I can be a better husband. I can be a better man. But it's not going to come from somebody else's insistence. It will come on my knees in prayer when the Holy Ghost shares with me that I have places he wants to take me and I'm not quite ready for them yet. Somebody give God praise this morning. Here's another area that the enemy wants to steal from you. He wants to replace the Holy Spirit in your life with a false prophet. People today will fill arenas when they think they can get a word of prophecy over them. I want you to find that in the New Testament. When somebody came to the Apostle Paul and said, Chains and bondage await you you if you go to Jerusalem. Or was it Rome, Pastor? And Paul said, what? I already know that. I'm going anyway. Prophecy is fine. And a ministry in the church and a ministry of the Holy Spirit. But it was never meant to direct your life. When you replace the Holy Ghost with somebody else, it's an affront to him. And the enemy will fill you with filth. He always prophesies great things, magnanimous things, glorious things. He never tells you this year is going to be the greatest trial of your life. Why, this year you may wind up in the surgery room. He'll never tell you that. 
Why, this year you're going to lose your job. Never tells you that. The false prophet will lay their hand on your head and speak things that you want to hear. Just like a sorcerer. Ooh, we're undressing him this morning. So before you let anybody lay hands on you, you have to know in your heart where God is taking you by having been in prayer and supplication and yes, fasting before the Lord. Don't let anybody replace the power and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. Give God praise in this house this morning. He'll kill the relationship you have with the Lord. He'll steal it and he'll kill it. He'll steal true happiness from you by spending years of your life with the wrong person. Say, but I love them. I love all of you. That's not the requirement to be a husband and wife. One of the requirements, but that is not the only one. Because after... The enamorment wears off. After you look across the breakfast table at that person that used to fix themselves and get all dolled up to go out, they wake up with their hair down, with bad breath, and they're grumpy because they haven't had their coffee. That's who you married and there better be something other than the candy coating and the puppy love you thought would last bad relationships people that the enemy puts in your life that aren't for you if you're running with the wrong crowd here's a guarantee absolute guarantee if you're in the wrong crowd the morality of the group will always gravitate toward the lowest denominator. The one that's the boldest in sin will flavor every single person in the group. That's how the devil gets in. Am I preaching the truth? Nobody's swinging from any chandeliers this morning. Oh my goodness, I'm afraid. Once he's done things like this, once he's got the young minister, the young Christian going down the wrong path, seeking after that pie in the sky that they've been promised, they felt tingles all over their body. There was goosebumps, brother. There was good. The hair stood on the back of their neck. It had to be God. I want you to know something. God is not your goosebump. God is not your hair standing up on the back of your neck. That is not God. God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. Yes, our bodies do react to his presence, but the enemy has a counterfeit for everything that happens in the church. Tongues, interpretation, prophecy. Am I preaching right, Pastor? you got to know God for yourself. My children will not go to heaven just because I raised them right. You have to find God for your own self. 
You know what I'm talking about? You have got to go to the cross. You have got to confess your sin. You've got to realize that he is Lord and Master and that he personally shed his blood that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Why? Because he loves you above all other things in the universe. He loves you. Once he's got you going down the wrong path, he has killed your ministry. He has got you on the sidelines and you're just waiting for that glorious event. Waiting. Pastor, just just waiting for the glorious healing that was promised you. But God didn't say it. And when it doesn't arrive... God let you down. Here's a fact. There is healing in the person of Jesus Christ. Glorious, miraculous healing in Jesus Christ. But not everybody, every single time, receives that particular kind of healing. If they did, the Apostle Paul would still be with us. The apostles would all be here because every time they were about ready to die, there would be glorious healing and rejuvenation in their bodies. The Bible says it is appointed on the man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Here's a fact. You have to get to the place in God where you're going to serve him whether you get healed or you don't. You have got to get in the place of God that you love him despite loaves and fishes. You love him because he is who he is. There was a time in my life, Pastor, when I was laid off of a job that I had worked 20 years The shipyard folded up. They closed the doors. They sent everybody home. And for the next eight years, my job from place to place was rather perilous. And I don't know how many pseudo pink slips I got. But I was always fed. My family always had what they needed. I worked jobs that I thought were beneath my skill level. But I worked them anyway because I believe what the Bible says. You work whatever God gives you. You work. You just don't sit at home and roll in your self-pity. You get out there and you do what you can do. But some would say... Well, if you were in God's perfect will, that had never happened. If you were in God's perfect will, you wouldn't have diabetes. If you were in God's perfect will, you wouldn't have got cancer. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Let me tell you something that happens when you pass. When you pass from this body and you shed this old, this old body right here, Paul says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. 
immediately, miraculously. I would be without pain. I would be without diabetes. I would be without cancer or whatever the ailment is. With death comes immediate healing in your soul and spirit. You will be forever likened unto him. Send somebody this morning. Give God praise. So if you've let the enemy lead you down the primrose path, get back on your knees and find out what God wants to say to you this morning. Because if you're living that flash in the pan, that pie in the sky, you ask some of these other saints around here if they haven't had a hard time at times along the way. This morning I'm happy, but I'm not finished. Somebody say amen this morning. I am happy in the Lord, but I'm nowhere near ready to stop. I'm still attending school. I'm still seeking God. I have not yet preached my best sermon. It's still in the future. I'm still serving God. I don't, doesn't matter to me what happens with the old body. It'll work until it's supposed to work. And when it's done, Jesus will take me home. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. So don't let the enemy do these things to you. The relationships. The false prophecy. How do I know it's real? Because what the person would say to you is the same thing the Lord has already been telling you in private prayer and supplication. It's meant to be an edification, not a tool for direction. If you use that for a tool of direction, you will wind up in the wrong place. Once he's killed you, he's stolen and he's killed you, you become a spectator. You're sitting on the sideline. You're watching other people do their ministry. Here's a sure sign that you're a spectator. You're a criticizer. You're a complainer. You find fault. You're sitting on the sideline watching somebody else do their ministry. There is no criticism section in God's house. Pastor doesn't have a complaint department. Here's something I, I, if God ever leads me to pastor, here's something I would do every Sunday morning. I'd head for my office and lock the door until I got in the pulpit. No holes barred. Your complaint can wait till later. What you've got to say is not going to affect what I'm going to say in the pulpit. Hello? Leaders in the church, I know that you have critics that will come and say, well, can we do this? Can we do that? I, I don't like this. I can't. I can't. I have this. I have that. Throughout my ministry, I've done many things that it was not my calling to do, but I did them. My wife and I have been young people's leaders because they needed one. And so I did it. Oh, it wasn't my passion, but I did it. It doesn't have to be a passion. 
This is my passion. Teaching is my passion. But I've done things for the Lord that wasn't my passion and it didn't hurt me whatsoever. In fact, somebody got blessed and needs were met. Can you give God praise this morning? And here's something else. Your critics, Sister Tracy, your critics really don't want to work. Am I right, Sister Barbara? They don't want to do it. They just want to tell you you're doing it wrong. I'm exposing the devil. You know what the devil does outside the church is ugly enough, but I want to expose him in the church. I want you to have freedom and liberty to be all you can be in Jesus Christ. If you know you're in the wrong relationship, if you know you're running with the wrong crowd, get out of it. I'm not advocating for you to divorce. No, you've done tied the knot. Now you've got something to deal with. But if you're dating the wrong person, here's how you know if you're dating the wrong person. They don't love God more than you. That's how you know you're dating the wrong person. My wife loves God more than me. That's the way it ought to be. That gives her liberty to be my personal critic. You say, doesn't that hurt you? Grow another layer of skin. Some of you, you let a little pebble hit you and you want to go whine in the corner for two or three weeks. In fact, some of you stay home from church because somebody said something or looked at me the wrong way. I'm going to go mope and pout, brother. Brother, I'm not quite sure I like the color of that shirt. I'm going to stay home next week and pray about it. You think that's silly. I got stories. I'm not going there this morning. I'm about, I'm about done. Some of the stuff God's people come up with to stay out of church is just absolute silliness. Absolute silliness. Well, my kids got school tomorrow. They've got homework. I raised four kids. Four. If they had homework, they brought it to church with them. If they got really, really tired and they were small, they could lay down right there on the pew. But they were taught, you're in church. When the doors are open, you go to church. I know we're in another day in another generation. I know that I rode dinosaurs to school uphill both ways. (laughs) But I believe in the practical part of Christian living. When it doesn't make the goosebumps stand up, you do it anyway. The church needs cleaning, you clean the church. Somebody needs help in the children's department, you do it. I'm going to toot my horn, and it's not the sax. I'm going to toot my wife's horn this morning. We don't have any young children anymore, they're all adults. I've got grandchildren. But my wife is helping out in the nursery just because there's a need. But I'm an elder minister. I'm an 
bishop in the church. Bless God, I need a green room when I arrive. I don't need a green room. I had snacks in my car on the way up here. And there was water. Serving Jesus Christ has a practical side. You love Jesus, and so you ask, what can I do? How can I get busy? I've got some energy. I feel a love for the Lord, and I want to express it. Let me do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's probably a lot of other stuff on those notes up there, but I'm not, I'm not going up there. I've warned you about wrong relationships. I've warned you about the false prophet. And this morning, the final disposition, steal to kill and to destroy. Destruction doesn't happen until you die. You still have hope this morning. If the Lord spoke to you and showed you, you still have hope. But here's one thing I don't want to happen. Is when my children stand by my grave and they're ready to put me in the ground... I don't want any dreams going with me. I don't want any ambitions unfulfilled. I don't want there to be one iota of regret that I didn't at least try. If you were to die today, are your dreams being realized? Are you working on it? Those of you that have a dream of going to school, I'm 59 years old and I'm still at it because I'm alive and I want it. And it is necessary. I believe it to be the will of God. No one's going to pour it into me. It's hard work. When you got grandchildren coming for the weekend and you, you're having to hurry to get all of your work done. Has God told you you need to deepen your education? And are you just waiting for... Have you deferred your dream till another day? I'll be happy when. I'll do it when this takes place. Or are you in the process of realizing your dream? When they lay you to rest... Will it truly be an empty clay pot? Would you stand with me? You see, that's what the devil, Lucifer, Beelzebub, will do for you. He'll steal. He'll kill and put you on the sidelines. And ultimately, he wants to make sure that some of your dreams and your ambitions are buried right along with you. Because he knows it would mean destruction of his kingdom. The more you let the will of God be realized in your life, the more people are going to be blessed. I have counseled with young ministers that thought they had a better way. And said in so many words, what are you waiting on? All of this time that you're waiting, there's people you could be touching There's people that are waiting to hear the sermon, to feel the power, and to have deliverance all of this time that you're deferring to another day. Are you deferring or are you actively pursuing today? God wants you to realize your dreams that he has placed in your heart. 
It doesn't get easier as you get older. Just ask me. It's not easy to go back to school and compete with youngsters who grew up with computers. I remember my dad having a slide rule. The first calculator I saw him with in his hand, and he was a chemist, was back in the late 60s. Just a simple little plus and minus. I don't even think it had square root on it. Back then in the 60s, it cost $200. So today's technology is far different. But the tactics of the devil remain the same. Are you realizing your dreams and ambitions? Or are you waiting for a pie in the sky? There's there's no easy way. It's work. It's work. Just ask these department heads who are ministering to young people. It's work. It's work. Would you bow your head? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, God, for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you have exposed the enemy, his deception... The years he can rob from our lives with the wrong people. The dreams and ambitions, Lord, that we're let lay idle because we're not pursuing. We're deferring our happiness until another day. Father, ask each and every one of us today, are you really happy? Are you really happy? Do you know the Holy Spirit well enough to hear his voice? Or are you running to have your fortune told by somebody else? That's what it amounts to. That's an ugly thing to even say. But when you're depending upon somebody else to tell you what God says, God's not pleased. He wants to tell you himself. Father, we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed, every eye closed.